crime and disaster podcast where we talk about all things horrible whether that be murder cases whether that be buildings collapsing and i am your host emma sexton and today i am joined by peyton bell peyton how are you i'm well how are you i'm doing really good i'm excited we have a crazy case today i'm kind of doing like a halloween themed episode today so it'll hopefully be something you've never heard of i've never heard of it before I started researching it, which I was kind of surprised by. I literally just went online. I was like, cases that have to do with Halloween. (laughs) And like 20 came up and this was like the very last one on the list. I was like, oh, okay, cool. This one's kind of awesome. Obviously in the terrible way. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you uh, the question that we kind of ask all of our first time guests on the show, which is just, um, what's your level of knowledge when it comes to true crime? Like, do you, what do you know about it what don't you know about it like do you want to become more involved in it or do you feel like you it's too much for you or what about true crime like what do you know um I hate to say it but I know quite a bit it's been (laughs) one of my like hobbies weirdly enough um probably since I was in middle school um I got into true crime shows even things just like forensic files yeah um I really like the podcast case files it's like narrated by this like Australian guy it's awesome and then um I really just like crime shows in general whether they're fiction or nonfiction. yeah that's awesome what which um what like got you into true crime in the first place do you remember like a specific moment or a specific case where you were like oh this is interesting to me um I can't really name a specific case but I remember I had this like weird thick magazine thing about like famous murderers and I remember like reading <laughs> when you were a kid it. yeah like, oh I was gosh. like probably 11 or 12 I don't know I was reading through it and it was just totally insane to me um that someone could do that or do yeah. anything and I remember reading about like the zodiac killer things like that like older cases um yeah serial killers were like very interesting to me that's so weird how old are you like 11 or 12. Oh my gosh, dude. I feel like that would have ruined my childhood. I would have been like, what is going on right now? Like people kill other people. When I was 12, I don't think I knew like really anything about true crime. Like yeah. I watched one episode of Criminal Minds when I was a kid and it scarred me like so intensely. I was just like, no, never again. Yeah. But oh, how the times have changed. Here we are. <laughs> I think like sometimes reading it isn't as scary as like seeing it because I would I remember like seeing stuff like that and like getting really spooked but I could read about it and it kind of like put a distance between what was real and oh for sure I actually definitely agree with that because I feel like even to this day when I watch like true crime documentaries things like that I still get more struck by (laughs) it I guess you could say like I find it more disturbing when you can actually see the person that committed the crimes for sure i think that's why podcast honestly is such a like it's a way more digestible way to hear about true crime than documentaries are that's for sure i feel that yeah and peyton and okay so just so you guys know a little bit more peyton and i are both um broadcast journalism and doc majors or going to be you will be (laughs) 
Um, and we we're both in broadcast 103. And I was like, on the first day, our teacher was like, hey, guys, <laughs> what's like something you do? And I was like, oh, I do a podcast. And then Peyton, I was like, oh, yeah, it's a true crime podcast. And then Peyton was like, I love true crime podcasts. <laughs> like right away, she looked at me and I was like, I, I know a true crime fan when I see one. Like we were both just like, we need to talk about this yes. immediately. And that was kind of, that was cool. I was not sure if that was like, especially because you're not from California. Mm-hmm. So I had no idea how big of a thing it was in other states. Like I know it's popular nationwide. Yeah. But. I've only really ever talked about it in California and it's still kind of like a not everyone is down used by it yeah. in California but I can only imagine like how is it in Oklahoma like do people are people interested in true crime like a lot or n- not at all um I don't really know honestly I can speak for myself and my family I know a lot of times when we're like on road trips like super long road trips to visit family elsewhere we will like listen to podcasts in the car and it makes a time go by so fast but I don't know. I'm really into it. I know a few of my friends are interested in it as well. Um, I don't really know if there's like a true crime like posse in Oklahoma, yeah. but um, there's not a whole lot to do. So maybe if you're bored, <laughs> you can just li- listen to some podcasts. How are you adjusting to California? Oh my gosh. I love it so much so far. It's like much different, but not as different as, as I was expecting in a way. Um, I was definitely worried I was going to be homesick being so far from home but I think the weather and the people have been like totally awesome so it made the adjustment really smooth that's good that's awesome yeah okay so as you everyone listening to this probably knows it is the month of October it is scary season ladies and gentlemen so today we are doing actually for the next two weeks we are doing Halloween themed episodes and I'm very very excited for this because usually I don't have a theme I just kind of go with here is a murder or here is a bad thing that happened because of somebody. But today we're actually going with a theme and I'm kind of excited about it. (laughs) Like I was trying to figure out what to do for Halloween because when you have a podcast that's literally scary every single week, (laughs) it's hard to figure out what to do for spooky season. But um, there's you'd be surprised by the number of horrible things that happen on Halloween that are actually like true crime oh my gosh I'm excited in a terrible way I'm excited (laughs) (laughs) so today we will be covering the Lisk family murders have you heard about this no I have not yeah okay I don't think we'll see I don't recognize the name yeah it's from um this is a case that happened in Ohio to my knowledge it didn't get a ton of media coverage even when I was researching it today there were like four main articles that popped up talking about it and the rest was like you won't believe this murder that happened (laughs) in October and I was like oh my gosh it was like BuzzFeed list basically so there were only there wasn't too much media coverage of this case because it is kind of a bummer like yeah you'll see as we go on it's not one of those ones that makes you feel like oh yes justice it's kind of just like it's not a cold case but you'll you'll see exactly what I mean okay but um I'm very excited to share it because I had never heard about it before, and it's actually a really crazy case. Yeah, I'm interested. Let's go. Okay. So the case starts uh, October 31st, Halloween day, okay, in Ohio. Um, And this 16-year-old named Devin Griffin, he had slept – okay, so his parents are divorced. Okay. So he had been sleeping at his dad's house October 30th. And he came home pretty early in the morning. He got his he got dressed to go to church, and then he went to church, okay? okay? And then as soon as he came home, he 
goes directly to his room after he gets home. It's Halloween day. He's just kind of sitting there because, you know, 16, you're like too old to do Halloween stuff, but you're too young to do like Halloween parties. Mm -hmm. So he just kind of is chilling in his room. And then at like 1.30, he's kind of confused because he hasn't heard anything from anyone in his house. And like, he's just kind of sitting there, like not really knowing what's going on. His parents haven't come to talk to him or his mom and his stepdad haven't come to talk to him or said anything. So Devin goes downstairs and he goes to look for his parents. And so when he walks into his parents' room, what he sees is that their comforter is pulled up over the heads of both of his parents. And so he goes in there and he kind of starts to shake his mom to see, to get her to wake up. Cause at this point he's like, Oh weird. They're sleeping until one thirty PM. But like, Oh, well, yeah. you know, your immediate thought wouldn't be something bad's yeah, happened. So right. he kind of shakes her to wake her up, but then there's no response. So mm. he starts talking to her like mom, hello. And so he pulls down the comforter and then he sees that her pillow is covered in blood and that he looks over to his stepdad and his pillow is also covered in blood and he pulls down the comforter and at first he's like, oh, funny prank. Like, oh no. Funny, this is like, you guys made a fake murder scene because it's Halloween. Like he literally thought that they were making a joke on, like, for him. But then pretty quickly after that, he realizes that it's not a joke and he starts to panic as anyone would. He starts to have a full on panic attack And he starts freaking out as he runs out of his house and he calls his aunt right away and she comes down to the house and she calls the authorities and the police show up pretty quickly after that. And when the police actually show up to the house, they are wondering what what happened here. And so they see that at this time, both the parents had been shot at close range uh, in the head. And then they went upstairs to look for Devin's 23-year-old brother, Derek, Derek Griffin, and they found that he had been beat to death and was also lying dead in his room. No way. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Where is this going? (laughs) So we really started with, like, the worst part of this whole case. Um, It's kind of... The thing I find so chilling about this is not the fact that it's Halloween, although that is really creepy, Mm -hmm. and it sucks that he was like, oh, well, this is a joke. But the fact that he was sitting in his room for hours... With his entire family dead in the house with him, that is not knowing, it's like disgusting. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, no. Like that part freaks me out way more than anything yeah. else does. Just the quietness. Oh my gosh, I can't even. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, it's the definitely not a great, no, not a great start to your day. No. Um. So then, pretty quickly after all that happened, they have a good idea of like who the suspect may have been because they start thinking about Bill Bill Lisk, okay. William Lisk, is the stepfather who was murdered, stepfather of Devin Griffin. And he had another son who didn't live with them anymore, but his name was also William Lisk, but they called him BJ Lisk because okay. Bill and then James, James, I'm pretty sure. James, okay. Lisk. <laughs> and so then uh, they start thinking, oh, what, what about the other son? You know, because this other son, BJ Lisk, he'd had problems since he was a kid. Um, When he was 16 years old, the police had been called on him because he'd been threatening to commit suicide. Um, He was on house arrest for a long time because of threats to harm himself. He had um, charges against him, like, from when he was a kid of assaulting police officers. Oh, oh my goodness. 
then in 2004, uh, October of 2004, so like a year before, BJ List gets into a fight with his stepmom, who was the mom of yeah. Devin Griffin, this whole family tree, trying mm-hmm. to connect it, I connect see it. it in your brain. Um, he gets into a fight with the, his stepmother, and he, like, punches her in the chest, basically. And then two months later, he gets um, charged for, he had hit Susan, um, Susan Lisk was her name. She'd hit, He'd hit her with a coffee cup and stolen her car keys. And what? he was, bas- like, they chose not to press charges against him, but he basically twice had tried to assault his stepmother in the past. Um, and he had like three different encounters with the police before eventually he was moved to a place that they could help mental health patients it's called the sandusky group home where they could help him with his problems uh he had physical fights with his dad he had fights with other kids who were in the group home and so immediately when the police are thinking okay who could have done this bj lisk is the first person that comes to mind and not only that but they had um evidence that bj lisk also struggled with schizophrenia so he had paranoid schizophrenia uh and he was also bipolar so yeah yeah, so he very much was at the top of the suspect list when they were investigating these murders and so then from there they basically start to piece the puzzle together of what had happened the night before after they kind of had bj lisk as their main suspect so first they went back and they looked at what was bj lisk's relationship with his dad Mm -hmm. Because if anything, it seems like the relationship with his dad would have been the thing that, I guess, made the most impact on what had happened here. Right. So they, when they went back and looked, they found that uh, Bill Lisk had kicked BJ out of the house when he was 18 years old. Why, you might ask? Why did they kick him out <laughs> of the house? Why? Because he tried to attack Susan while she was showering. <sighs> Stop right there. Yeah. Dude, I literally have nightmares, or not actual nightmares, but I think about it every time when I'm in the shower that, like, what if someone were to come in here, like, Alfred Hitchcock me, you know? Yeah. No, I think about that, too, because the shower is literally when you're the most vulnerable. Yes. Your eyes are closed Close. basically the entire time. You're naked. You're naked. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. Oh. Like, in any situation where you have, I guess, to me at least, being naked <laughs> is, like, the most vulnerable like if someone's trying to kill you and you're naked like you're probably gonna die because it's just you're already like in the bad situation you know it's just oh my gosh so he literally tried to attack his stepmom while she was showering yes that makes me so sick yeah i mean not only the weirdness about that weird but just the fact that like Poor Susan. She's in her own home. Like, yeah. she thinks that she's totally safe mm-hmm. because when you're in, that's why you should have a lock on every single door. Yep. I don't trust that someone's not going to break into my house. But it's just like, she, it sucks that Susan always had to be worried about someone who was literally in her family right. attacking her. That's terrible. That's, I mean, that's terrifying. I can't even imagine. I hope that never happens to anyone else. Yeah. Oh, God. But then the police are like, okay. There's kind of a weird element to that. Let's go back and look at the crime scene and yes. see, like, what we can learn from the bodies. So when they're looking at this crime scene, they find that, okay, the mom and the dad, Susan and Bill, were both shot at point-blank range, like, two to three feet away from their heads after they'd had the comforter pulled up. Okay. So that indicates already some kind of – and they were shot in the head, like, near their face. Right. And when someone is shot in the face, it kind of indicates a 
grudge mm-hmm. against a person. Like, you hear about that all the time in TV, but also, like, that is an actual thing. Yeah. It's usually more of a crime of passion type thing if someone is shot at point blank range. And then when they were actually looking at Susan Lisk's body, they found that she had been sexually assaulted either before or very closely after yeah. her death. And honestly, like, I don't know which of those is worse. Like, that's just so... I mean, obviously, it's worse if she's aware of what's happening, yeah. but it's just so disgusting. It's, yeah, it's sickening either way. It, yeah. yeah, especially because, you know, from his prior history, like, the fact that he was assaulting her and uh, trying to hit her, right. it, he wasn't doing that out of, like, a weird type of attraction for her. It was more of a power mm, definitely, yeah. grab, a power That's dynamic. Like. And, yeah, it just relates back to the shower thing. That's also just, like, yeah. he feels... She's very vulnerable in that situation as well. Truly. It's very disgusting. So um, he, but then they look back and they were like, oh no, this actually makes perfect sense that he would do this, especially her, because he had a, like a very bad relationship with her from the very start. He did not like the idea of having a stepmom. Um, after his parents divorced, he started having a really, really bad like streak of just like he would skip school and do drugs and drink all the time. Yeah. And kind of started flying off the rails. And especially for someone with schizophrenia, drinking and doing drugs is not a good combination with that whatsoever. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. So when Bill and Susan got married in 2001, Susan tried to, like, get things in order. Like, get some rules in order so that he wouldn't be flying off the rails. Good try. And he just hated her for that. Like, he hated her for changing the way things were. And, like, Bill was always kind of trying to be on BJ's side. Like, he would always try to make sure that he was safe or that he tried to make it out like things for BJ weren't as bad as they actually were. Mm -hmm. You know, like, when he would be having a full-on episode, like, freaking out, attacking people, all this, he would try to be like, oh, it's just just a little something. You know, because I think it's hard for any parent. I can't even imagine being a parent in that situation because Mm -hmm. you don't want to admit that your kid needs more help then you can provide them. Right. Because, like, torn. when he went to the group home, it's like he lost. His dad lost him. Yeah. And that's got to be. I mean, I can't even imagine having that kind of relationship with your kid where it's like you want to keep them so bad, but you know you can't provide for them what they need. Yeah, and you also love your spouse, too. That's a difficult situation. Yeah. In 2006, BJ Lisk, actually, this guy named Mark, who had been, like, helping him in the past with his um, disorders and things like that, he filed for guardianship over BJ List because of the fact that there had been reports that Bill and BJ would get in like physical altercations okay. and would be actually fighting. Like it would escalate very rapidly between the two of them. And like the police had to be called in one instance and it just like was not a good situation. And then in 2007, he was hospitalized for having schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So I kind of wanted to talk about really quickly before we go on about what schizophrenia actually is, just for anyone who doesn't know, because it is kind of a really interesting, I guess you never really hear about it unless it runs in your family, I feel like. Yeah. Because it's a really scary thing. And it's very like intricate. There's so many things that we don't know, I feel like. Yeah. Well, any honestly, just anything with the human brain and mental illness, like we know close to nothing. Yeah. But especially schizophrenia, because it's so, like, no one really started investigating schizophrenia and any of that until the 70s. That's kind of early. So um, people who have schizophrenia, they can have symptoms, like they get hallucinations, they hear voices, 
They have paranoid delusions, um, like thinking someone's going to kill them. They have distorted perceptions and strange behaviors because of all that, basically like voices in your head. Mm -hmm. Um, They can't, like they have a decrease in if they can initiate plans. They can't speak or express themselves. And then they also have like confused thinking. Like that kind of goes along with um, distorted perceptions. Like they can't always, when someone is in the middle of having a schizophrenic episode, they can't always tell like what's happening in reality versus what's happening in their head. And then also problems with attention, memory, and then declining educational performance. So it's really like it affects every single aspect of a person's life because it's basically a disease that just distorts reality as you know it. And um, something I was really because in a lot of the articles that I was reading about, it talked a lot about how schizophrenia played like a main part in these murders. And I kind of just got very curious of like, do people with schizophrenia, are they more likely to commit murder? Right. Because that's kind of a weird, a weird thing. I guess thinking about the fact that could a mental illness make someone way more inclined to hurt another person? Yeah. And uh, when I was looking it up, it showed that, okay, first of all, less than 1% of the population has schizophrenia. It's very, very, very uncommon. Uh, Usually it runs through families. Typically men get it more than women. Most people that have schizophrenia aren't violent. They just kind of go into a state of almost psychosis because of the voices in their head. Uh Or, um, like, to bring it into a personal story, (laughs) uh, my grandpa's dad okay far back my great-grandfather had schizophrenia like really bad schizophrenia he would be like the way that my grandpa describes it is it that his form of schizophrenia the way that it worked was that it was almost like he was two different people like when he was fine and taking his meds and like trying actively to improve himself and he wasn't overcome by his illness he was like the best dad ever he was always around he was like a great role model like that's the person that his mom married like the person he was when he was on his meds but then when he would be uh having a schizophrenic episode or when he was going through a time when like his bipolar disorder would take over he would just be a completely different person cheating on his mom like gambling doing drugs things things like that like he would mix alcohol and drugs with the fact that he was having the episode because it made him feel better when he was off his meds but then he would completely like abandon his family for like months at a time. And they knew like this isn't who he is. Mm-hmm. It's just sometimes your like your illness can really change you into a different yeah, like person. Swallow you up. Yeah. So that's kind of how it was described to me. I think that's kind of an interesting aspect of this case for sure. Definitely something to think about. Yeah. Basically they were talking they talked about the same thing in this guardianship report. They were like, okay. Mr. Lisk wants to protect BJ. Like, he wants to help him. He wants to get him help. He wants to see him at a halfway house. He wants to see him in a group home. Because when he's on his medication, he's amazing. He does so well. It's just that after a while, he's like, oh, I'll be okay. I've been super great. When he's been taking his meds, he's, BJ would be like, oh, I've been super great. I'm, I'll be fine to stop taking my meds. And then after he would stop taking his meds, he would drink and smoke pot. And so because of that, mixing with his illness, it would just create these, like, crazy schizophrenic episodes. That's really, that's upsetting. Yeah. So because of that, um, BJ moved into a halfway house in Sandusky. We talked about that a little Mm -hmm. bit. But um, the week before the murders actually took place, Bill, William Lisk, Bill Lisk, 
uh, took some time and he actually took his son deer hunting, which, first of all, I find this to be very interesting because another thing that they talk about in the articles is that some neighbors from when he was a kid testified against BJ Lisk and said he would torture and kill our pets when he was a kid. Like when he was a child, that was one of his hobbies was like torturing and killing our animals. That's um, like one of the first signs of having psychopathy is like torturing and killing animals when you're a child. So yeah. That's like a red flag from the get-go. Yeah. What were you doing when you were a child? Um, definitely not torturing and killing animals. I was probably <laughs> painting or watching cartoons. I know. that It's just such a... It's interesting to me that he... For someone who knows that his kid is has a tendency toward torturing and killing animals... Yeah, violence. Violence to take your kid deer hunting is very interesting yeah, to me. But that might just be me. like... Maybe that's a bigger thing in Ohio than it is here. <laughs> yeah, maybe just, yeah. Let's hope that's the reason. <laughs> so they went to their hunting cabin, which they had in Carroll County. Um, so they lived in Ottawa County. Um, so they went to this other county. They went deer hunting. And then they got home like 24 hours before the murders. They were back in Ottawa. Um, so Bill Lisk was like having serious talks with BJ talking about how like he wanted him in his life and he wanted him as his son, but he couldn't put the rest of his family in danger. Like the reason they couldn't be have the same relationship and the reason he had to live at the halfway house was because he was married to Susan and now he had Derek and Devin and he couldn't put them in danger. Yeah. Like they were having a very serious talk. Um, But Bill Lisk would always say, you know, like BJ would never hurt us. Like, he may, this may be a problem he deals with, but he would never hurt us. So, even though he's already hurt Susan or attempted to multiple times. Yeah, kind of concerning. <laughs> but um, he and his son, like I said, they returned home um, the Saturday before Halloween. So, it was like a day, the night before Halloween. And they got together and they had a few beers because at this point, BJ was old enough. And, I mean, he had been gone living hospitalized at 18 then moved to the halfway house so they were just having some like father son bonding times um so they got together and had some beers and then like people who were there say okay everyone was having a great time like it was all good everything was going super well bj was being totally normal they noted that Derek griffin was not there because like I said earlier, him and BJ just did not get along whatsoever like they didn't like each other Mm -hmm. and it just wasn't good between them so uh he wasn't there but bj lisk was seemed to be totally fine he was just getting along great with his dad um so he was basically never allowed to spend the night at their actual house where bill lived with susan and devin and Derek because of the assault in the past that he had tried to attempt on susan but he'd been drinking and um his dad didn't want him to drive home (sighs) drunk so he said that it was fine for him to stay in the house that day I remember what I said at the very beginning. Devin Griffin wasn't there because he was spending the night yep. with his dads. So uh, they, at around midnight, they headed back, and BJ was allowed to spend the night on the couch at Bill's that night. He w- he was staying at their house, and uh, everything was fine. And in the morning, Devin actually came home, like very first thing in the morning, because he needed to change his shirt mm-hmm. for church, like okay. I said in the very beginning. Yep. So when he got home that very first time bj was still there he was still there and his family was totally good like all he really saw when he went in to change a shirt was that 
BJ was there and he was like next to this sofa bed and he went up to him and he actually started talking to Devin, which is really unusual because he like said didn't really get along with the brothers very well. He actually went up to him and started talking to him. And Devin actually recalls that he looked happier. Like, he seemed happier than usual. And he was asking Devin questions like, oh, where are you going? How long uh. are you going to be gone? All these things. And to Devin, that was a good sign that, like, oh, maybe our relationship is actually progressing yeah, he's a like little bit. Out. He's what he didn't know is that it was all because BJ was in a state. His, basically, he was premeditating a murder of everyone else in the house oh my gosh that's why he was asking him how long are you gonna be gone right where are you going yep because he wanted to know how much time he had oh my gosh so when Devin left the house for church uh bj lisk had basically killed the entire family he shot both the parents and then he used a um like a hammer type metal thing and he beat Derek Griffin to death with it and then after that he went back assaulted Susan and then continued to beat um the dead bodies of Bill and Susan Lisk like post-death trauma it's so that's like yeah that's another level right there no it really is it definitely shows this guy was in like he was angry yes for sure yeah so after he committed those murders, um, he took the family's truck and he drove it back to the hunting cabin that they were at in Carroll County. And he was there for an hour before the cops showed up and took him to jail because they were like, okay. It's obvious. Yeah. It, it's really obvious. Like, that's what I was saying earlier about this one. It doesn't, it's not as much of like a, oh, boom, they they finally caught the yeah, guy and the, he's yeah. clearly guilty. And like, this guy's clearly guilty, but it's kind of a bummer type of guilty because you know that like... He was struggling with mental illness, yeah. which definitely played a factor in what he did. And that makes it just completely like, damn, that's a bummer. Yeah. I don't even know what to say. That's really, it's frustrating and heartbreaking at the same time. Just knowing someone can struggle so much that they do something like that. But then also you feel like no sympathy for him for because he's so ruthless. Yeah. And they later find out that they think the murder weapon was disposed of in a pond because there's, like, these muddy footprints leading through the house and stuff. Like, he clearly—the thing is, he did not try to hide what he did at all. Like, not even a little bit. Like, he just completely—and when they found him at the hunting, like, place, he literally had just gone to Subway and he came back. He was, like, about to sit down and eat after killing (laughs) his entire family. That just sounds like that's a, like another level yeah. of scary. That sounds like a movie scene to me. Yes, exactly. Like he's sitting down about to take a bite of a sandwich and just it's everyone like comes cops in. Cops bust down the door. But yeah. just the whole muddy footprints, that's like comical to me. Just like I know that sounds terrible to say, but like the muddy footprints are so just like iconic movie scene bad guy like we caught him like here's the footprints. He fits the shoe size. We've got the guy. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> The subway sandwich too. That's just so. How? Yeah. Who so can do that. Obviously, they arrest him right away. They right. take him to court. He's clearly guilty. Mud on his shoes. Like they they know right away he's guilty. So they they do t- a psychological evaluation. They find that he's competent enough to stand trial, but he's probably if he goes to he probably won't go to jail. He'll probably get sent to some sort of a psychological mm-hmm. like 
type of jail, like where they can actually deal with him. Um, and so he's held on a $3 million bond <laughs> at, in the Erie County Jail because actually one of the family members of Susan Lisk worked at the Ottawa County Correctional Center where he was supposed to be held. Mm. So it was conflict of interest. He was moved farther away. And um, that's when we, we can move into the trial okay. portion of this. Okay, so in the trial, um, they like I said, they find he's competent to stand trial, but he doesn't try to fight the charges, like, literally at all. <laughs> like, he pleads guilty to three counts of first-degree murder, and that's exactly what they wanted to charge him for. Right. However, the big, like, what if in this entire trial was they weren't sure if he was going to get a life sentence in jail or if he was going to get sentenced to death. Yeah. Because true. they had the death death penalty in Ohio, so he was... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of a, a sticky situation, you could say, because they knew he was guilty. Um, but at the same time, like, they weren't sure how much of it was his mental illness, how yeah. much of it was him. So they, it was kind of a tough decision for the jury of whether to put him to death or to just have him serve a life sentence. Um, he actually, in his statement, he said, I quote, I loved my dad very much and it makes me feel sick every time I think about what I did. I can't really explain why this all had to happen, but I think it all had to do with my mental illness. Hmm. It's an interesting statement. It's kind of, it's weird to hear him say that, like he's comp, like he's able to say that it was the mental illness. I don't know. It's interesting to me. Part of me wonders if he's being sincere in his remorse for what happened or if he's putting on an act so that he won't get the death penalty yeah that's a you know what i mean yeah i I, i'm thinking the same thing it's interesting i wonder what devin's reaction was to all this the guy who had to find his entire family dead like would you what did he want like if because he knew just as well as anyone in their family just how bad his mental illness was but Mm -hmm. he had to deal with literally the most drama right that anyone could possibly do. Like, I can't imagine a situation more traumatic than what he went through. No, no. So it's like, what are you... And he's still alive. That's a crazy thing, too. Devin? He, wow, he was 16 when this happened? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no. From there, that moment on, like, his life, three, like, 180 changed. Like, totally different. I know. I and the crazy that. thing is most people... I mean, obviously, it's not a thing you just bring up. So it's kind of mm-hmm. crazy to think, like, if you don't know about this case, this guy could be anyone. You never know what people oh, have gone through. Yeah, That's a total, oh, yeah, I can't even. That's something so interesting to me is I'm like, somebody in here has probably gone through some real stuff, and I just don't know. Like, I have no idea what people in this room and have gone through. you may not know. Yeah. Unless we, yeah. It's so I, crazy. Yeah, me- imagine meeting him, not having any clue. Yeah, not knowing what's happened to him. Or like what's and the fact that he had to go to high school after this happened to him, he was literally what a sophomore. Yeah, finish high school, go through all the motions of everyday life after losing your mother, your brother, your stepfather, finding their bloody pillow, finding their body. I like have nightmares about that stuff, and I like wake up like in a cold sweat, like heavy breathing, like oh my goodness, thank God, like that didn't happen, and then he has to know that that did yeah it's really like i don't know it's especially i just think about the fact that like he had so much 
he had so much life left to live after that happened. Mm -hmm. And that really, I mean, I'm sure he went over in his head a thousand times, like, why not me? Because he was there for a little bit. And the fact that he's probably thought about a million times that conversation that he had. That morning before it all happened, giving the details as to when and where he was going to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then to have it brought up every single year on on BuzzFeed's top fifteen list of craziest <laughs> Halloween murders, like oh, BuzzFeed. <laughs> I mean, that's just insane. And it, I know that it's a little hypocritical because I'm kind of doing the same thing on the podcast. But I find it interesting. Like, I started this off looking for like, oh, a murder that happened on Halloween, but then it was like so much more like so different and it's interesting because this case literally has nothing to do with halloween it just so happened happened to fall to fall on it yeah and that makes it it doesn't impact it at all it just makes it i don't know kind of scary to think about this happened yeah though i just hate the thinking it was a prank that literally makes my stomach like turn i mean it's awful especially because he had to yeah, it's like you said, like you have that's the kind of stuff that you have nightmares about. That is literal horror movie yes. stuff. Like that is what happens in horror movies. Mm-hmm. And this kid had to experience it and just like yeah, firsthand. Very. Yeah. So, um I'm just going to read like another quote. Okay. Um so Susan Lisk's sister said this at the trial. She said, "We just don't understand how something like this could happen. You see stuff like this on TV and think it will never happen to your family." You love someone so much and then they take something away from you. My only brother, my sister-in-law, Derek. I just don't know how you could do it when he loved you so much. And I lied. This is actually the sister of Bill Lisk. Okay. So, she, yeah, that final statement she says there, I just don't know how you could do it when he loved you so much, makes me (laughs) deeply upset. Because it's that you wonder. Like, it just, it really does have a very blurred line. And you wonder, like... Did he have a serious mental illness and not know what he was doing? And then he has to wake up every single day and be like, I killed my entire family and I didn't want to. Like, that is horrible, too. Or is that how is that who he is? Yeah. You know, either way, it's extremely upsetting knowing that he this could just be um, sparked by his mental illness or he's so good at being bad if that makes sense like he's able to like speak in a suave way like oh I didn't mean to it was my mental illness like you can blame it on something when truly he's just like a psychopath yeah but obviously I guess mental health professionals were able to diagnose him with um schizophrenia schizophrenia yeah I don't know it's just very like I mean you think about what it reminds me of is like you always, when I first started driving, my parents would always be like, Emma, you have to be super careful because as bad as it would be if you got in a car accident, mm. imagine being in our neighborhood. We live near a school. And she was always like, imagine being in our neighborhood. And like, if you're not careful, you could hit a little kid. And like, imagine having to live with that guilt for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's, and then she was like, that's worse than getting in a car accident. So be careful mm-hmm. because you never like, it's so the guilt of trying, having to live with that, I just imagine would be impossible. And that's what it kind of reminds me of. It's like, if it really was just his mental illness taking over his life, I can't imagine the guilt 
that he must have felt when he got back on his meds. And guilt is one of the worst feelings ever, honestly. I can't handle it. I, like, I don't. Even in the littlest situations, like, even just, like, maybe turning in a paper, like, that well, you didn't put in your best effort, and you're like, I feel guilty. Like, just stupid things like that, like, will literally keep me up, and, like, I'll feel anxious about it. I cannot imagine. If, even if it was, like, hit, like, a squirrel while I was driving. Like, I'd feel so sad. Like, that squirrel has a family. I'm not even kidding. That's, like, how <laughs> oh my I gosh. think. So, like, if I were BJ, and I did kind of have this day and night side to me, and I were, oh my gosh, I can't, the way, I would just want to die. I think I would want to die with that guilt. Like, I couldn't carry that on my shoulders. So, throughout the rest of the trial, BJ apologized to everyone he had hurt. And he talked about the fact that he believes that his mental illness and things, like, had been spawned by Satan. And that he felt like it was working for the destruction he said, quote, Satan is working for the destruction of our souls. And he, then he said that he prayed everyone for everyone, like every single day he prayed for everyone who was involved in the case and stuff. Um, I am always shocked. I've talked about this in so many episodes. Like, I know this is a serious thing, but almost every single murder case I talk about, Satan comes up in some way or another, like either... They as they think that a satanic cult did it, mm-hmm. or the person who killed blames Satan, or the victims think Satan is in the murder. Like literally, almost every single case I discuss, Satan comes up in some form yeah, or another. It's, it's so weird. Like it's very. I I guess you never realize, especially in American murders, but especially especially in like Italian murders or Catholic <laughs> countries, where like you never realize how much. Satan and murder are like invoked together, which is very, very weird and interesting to me. It is. I point weird. that out every single time. Like last week, I talked about the Scott Peterson case, and literally, they were all like, every there was a satanic cult that yep. murdered people. And I was like, why does this come up so much? Yeah, like, I don't understand that at all. It's it, such a like when, especially when the murderer will blame something on satan like oh satan was talking to me like all that crap it's just like that's such a childish way obviously if you're able to murder someone like you are not mature like you're super weird you know what i'm saying but like if you're (laughs) able (laughs) super weird is the perfect way to describe that um it's just like such an easy way to like throw accountability like out of the window obviously not really it is blame it on something else and then of course there's people everywhere who are like satan like he so did this. And it's like, hey, maybe it was the human guy who did it because he's was born sick, you know? Yeah. And it always it keeps I don't know, it makes me always think that at every single time in like American history and just in the world, everyone is always living in a mild form of satanic panic. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like I feel like it's always somewhat present, no matter what. It's just comes up every like every so often in murder trials which is very interesting yeah but um mostly he talked about his illness and the fact that he lived with this guilt he showed lots of remorse the family actually like talked about how they were impressed with the fact that he showed so much remorse for what he had done which i think is good yeah i mean it's like you hear about those murderers that don't show remorse, and that's the people where you're like, you are evil. Yeah. Like, you are deeply evil. Mm-hmm. But he was, like, apologizing the whole time. So because of his illness, the fact that he was only 29 years old, 
and uh, his remorse and like his admission of, of guilt, like he was pleading guilty. Um, he was sentenced to three life sentences instead of the death penalty. So he, without the possibility of parole. So he's okay. never getting out of prison. Right. But they're also not going to kill him. Uh, and then he was sent to the Ross Correctional Institution where he remained until 2015. Um, where in 2015, BJ Lisk. Oh, sorry. He wasn't 29 at the time of this trial. He was 29 in 2015. Oh, my um, goodness. And in 2015, he was found dead in his cell on March 31st at the Ross Correctional Institute uh, from self-inflicted injury. He committed suicide at, while he was in prison. Do we know how he did it? Because a lot of times they, like, keep stuff away from them. Uh, I didn't read anything. They usually don't release that information. Oh, okay. I didn't read how he did it, but I know a lot of times in prison people will either try to hang themselves yep. with the clothes. Yep. That's the main way people commit suicide in prison. In case anyone wanted to know yeah. that. Fun fact, guys. But, um, yeah, so he, he killed himself after a couple years in prison. But it's kind of interesting because you were literally just saying, how yeah. would you live with that guilt? Yeah. It almost makes me, as awful as it is, like, suicide is terrible no matter who it is. Uh, it kind of, it, it does almost make me feel like maybe he wasn't lying about his illness overtaking yeah. him. Because he literally could not live with the guilt of what he had done. Yeah, for sure. I, it, it makes me sad to know that he was able to commit suicide. Like, just knowing that he was in so much pain. But, like, also, my other side is, like, man, he really did kill his family. Yeah, so, three people. Yeah, three human lives he took, so. Yeah, and not to mention that he ruined Devin's life, pretty much. Yeah, there we go, another one. And all the family members of this family. Yeah. You see you see what I was saying? And, like, the other crazy thing is that this murder happened in 2010. These three murders. That was, like, nine years ago. That was not a long time ago. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I didn't even know exactly when this happened. Like, literally almost 10 years to the day. Like, what is Whoa. it? Oct it's October 18th. So. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah, so it's. Look, wow. So Devin's it's like wounds a year are away still, from like, 10 years. totally Oh, open. yeah. This is not... Well, I'm trying to think. Old. Hold on. Let me do math. He's Devin's 25. So he's, like, fresh out of college. Yeah. That is so heartbreaking. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So um, that is the horrible, horrible murder, Lisk family murders that happened on Halloween in 2010. And... You see what I mean now about how it doesn't have a, oh, yes, justice mm -hmm. ending. And it also doesn't have a great, like, oh, the family recovered in this way or that way. Like, it's very just, like, this murder leaves you feeling unsatisfied in yeah, the way I feel of, empty. like, yeah, because even though BJ did it and he was guilty and he went to prison for the rest of his life, like, it was partially because of his illness. I and mean, it makes you feel not bad for him, but, like... It's better almost for your own uh, consolation mm -hmm. when you know the person that did it deserves to be in jail for the rest of their life because they did it of their own accord. Yeah. But then when you think about mental illness influencing someone, it's kind of like, yeah, it doesn't make you feel bad, but it just it makes you feel empty. And mental illness is such a thing, like especially something like schizophrenia that a lot of us don't fully understand. Like, I appreciate you explaining more. I knew a little bit, but like, there's so many things we don't understand and it's really hard for, excuse me, really hard for some of us to 
kind of fathom it and like make sense of it um I don't know like it seems like obviously me not living with a mental illness like this I can't understand the pain and like struggle that he goes through that he went through every day like with like the voices but at the same time he 100% deserved to be in prison for the rest of his life yes for sure because he was a murderer like that's that's such the moral dilemma that this these type of things put me in is like Looking at it from the out, when you don't know anything about circumstance, you mm-hmm. look at it in from the outside and you're like, well, why didn't he get the death penalty? Yeah. You know, that's you that's what I would white. be like. But then sure. it is like, it's so interesting with true crime how like not everything is black and white. Mm-hmm. Some cases are. Some cases are black and white to me. This one looks black and white. like From the outside. From the yeah. outside, yeah. But obviously we see it is not at all. And I mean, he did deserve to go to prison for the rest of his life because that is... I mean, that's justice for their family. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't a great guy. No, obviously (laughs) not. We can't sugarcoat his whole childhood. He freaking assaulted his stepmom multiple times, killed animals. Like, we can't go go back and say, oh, it was entirely his mental illness that made him kill other people. Because Mm -hmm. there are plenty of people who live with schizophrenia who don't murder their families. Yeah. But. Your great grandpa. Or no, you, yes, he did not murder his family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're here like, today. I just right now, I'm like, actually. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. Uh, this is such a tricky one because of that. Yeah. I Okay, everyone who knows me from home is going to listen to this and totally, like, scoff at me. But my senior year of high school, I took a um, psychopath and literature class oh my in gosh. English. And it was literally the most amazing class for me ever because it was totally up my alley you know just like learning about we got to learn about mental illnesses like psychopathy and like all of these things all of these things and like kind of learn about how it affects people who live with it and kind of what they tend to do and like yeah because when you hear the word like psychopath or schizophrenia we immediately think like oh bad guy murderer like totally crazy person Mm -hmm. when sometimes it can just be like if you take medicine you're fine if you maybe I don't know. There's different ways of dealing with it. Yeah. And also we have to, in this case in particular, you have to keep in mind that he was not only off his meds, but he had been drinking with his right. dad Abusing. the night before. Yeah. It's Which like, is interesting to me. That, like, when you told me that, that was, like, red flag again. I was like, why is Bill drinking with BJ? It was weird because we know that you're not supposed to do that, living with schizophrenia. Uh, yeah, this case is just so not, like, it's just so bad. It's so bad. This is a tough one. Yeah. I was researching this. I'm like, Peyton is not going to want to come back on this podcast after we do this case for the no. very first one. I will absolutely, anytime you need me, Brett, I am here. This is like the best <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. I, oh, I wanted to ask you, in your literature class, did you read? Oh, like, yeah. Stuff? Did you read Picture of Dorian Gray? No. Okay. You need to read that and you need to read, okay, there's two more short, there's a short story called A Rose for Emily. Okay, wait, I'm going to have to, like, and the, tell me after. general, oh. like, plot, it's about this girl who, like, she's kind of a recluse, and then one day she dies, and they go in to clean out her house, and, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> they go to clean out her house, and they find the, her husband, uh, had his rotting corpse, like, like, laying on the bed covered in dust, and then the outline of where she'd been sleeping, right next to it, like, she'd been sleeping next to a dead body. Wow. Literally, that story, I was... I love that story. Like, I love William Faulkner, but at the same time, I was like, Yeah, that's another level. Also, even just, like, being able to write something like that is crazy. Have you read A Clockwork Orange? I have not read it, but I want to see it. Okay. 
first i want you okay anyone listening if you have read a clockwork orange i would love to like talk with you about it (laughs) i talk about this like pretty much every single day of my life this is like my favorite book ever and it's really sickening to say that like unless you like i know the general premise okay but i I definitely recommend reading it before seeing it i like the book is totally insane because the main character alex spoiler alert (laughs) is totally crazy like 100 percent psychopath and he is like on a rampage totally bad guy but then eventually the story goes and i don't want to spoil anything because there's like a huge beauty in this book um but you eventually kind of had that have this um like emotion and sympathy for the main character alex yeah even though he is a terrible guy like within the first 50 pages he's like done the worst anything you can think of he's done it and but eventually you feel sympathy and like you kind of have a connection to him and it's really it's weird it like makes you go inside your own head and think about kind of the angel and the devil on your shoulder two sides to you well i will definitely be checking that out you have that to. sounds cool tell me about it immediately okay so now it's time to move on to my favorite segment of the show happy things <laughs> basically this is what in broadcast we just learned last week this is what they call the kicker so we end the show talking about some good things just like one good thing that either happened in your past week or like is going to happen next week something good in your life to distract us from the horror of murder <laughs> do you want to go first or you want me to go first um you can go first probably okay um well Oh, this is so easy, guys. And I'm going to have such good videos to post on this on the Instagram at Horrible Things Podcast. Okay. So my family got a kitten last week. <gasps> he that. is the cutest little Russian blue kitten. Uh, he's hypoallergenic, so we're allowed to have him, which is so exciting. He's literally, he was born in August. He is a fresh kitten. He's, he's a adorable. Little he is literally a foot long. He is so oh cute. And he's... He, guys, he's so adorable. We, I literally played with a laser with him today for like an hour. I was just watching. He's so cute. And what's his name? His name is Percy, Percy. like Perseus, but we call him oh Percy for short. My goodness. Yeah, I well, I wanted to name him Ronnie, but then my dad convinced me that that was stupid, and we should name him something cool. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I you like know, both. You're right. Those are cute. But Percy is literally the cutest kitten I've ever seen, and I just love him so much. And that is the happy thing yeah that's a yes. very happy thing that's like that's untoppable not that anything needs to be <laughs> that you have to un- like top something but that's amazing i definitely i mean need puppies to kittens babies yes it's like the best of all things yeah and also no judgment from anyone on this podcast but i had a bad day like three days ago and i just listened to christmas music and <laughs> honestly it made me so excited that christmas is only in two months yeah nobody judge me for that okay it brings me joy this why are you trying no to judgment stifle zone. my happiness let me listen to Christmas music when I want to. Dude, Christmas music literally brings up everyone's spirits. Christmas music is like Disneyland. Yes. It's the same joy we from within. Yes, we do. I Guys, know. if anyone wants to go to Disneyland, yeah. it's up. Please. I have not been, so we have to go. Yes. Anyone want to join us? Meet up at Disneyland. Okay. Crime writer Billy Jensen said that he's probably going to do a meetup at Disneyland. Okay. <laughs> we kind of got sidetracked yeah, there, but. A little weird um okay so my good thing i guess i have two actually we'll just we'll just start with one um next week i'm really excited i get to fly home oh that's so fun for the first time in like close to like 70 days um 
I haven't seen my family like or been in my own bed or like showered in my own shower and seen my dogs I'm like super pumped um and a few of my like high school friends are flying back uh so I'm really excited to see everyone and even just like be home for a weekend I think will like restore kind of my a little bit homesickness yeah and we have like an amazing oh my gosh the best like ice cream at this one store called bronze (laughs) you guys don't have it out here which like is really frustrating but (laughs) it's the best so i'm like super pumped to like get what kind of ice cream every like any flavor you want but like my favorite is a small chocolate shake it's just like oh my gosh it's so classic it's gonna be like heavenly and right now i'm on like a vegan kick I don't know why I just tried so, but I'm going to like get off my veganism for that chocolate shake and it's going to change my life. That's so funny. Yeah. What was your other one? Do we have enough time? Okay. My other one was just that, um, last week or a few days ago, I filmed my second doc, which I was like pumped about. It was the portrait one. Okay, cool. Um, for anyone listening, it was about these twins that I know and they're super sweet and I don't know. I was just like happy to get the filming out of the way so I can like focus and try editing a little bit better than last time. <laughs> Me too, dude. I need to edit this. This was that amazing. Still. Thank okay, you. Yours was, was so amazing. Oh, thanks. Guys, we're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> we're really good people if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think we're going to end the podcast right there, guys. So thank you so, so much for listening. Um, we are very happy that you came on for this special Halloween themed edition of the Horrible Things podcast. If you want to see more of us during the week when it's not a Tuesday, you are welcome to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, find us on Facebook, all at Horrible Things Podcast. And we post on there throughout the week. We post updates on our happy things. If you want to see my kids in, you can go there <laughs> and find them. Uh, we also have a Patreon page up, and that is uh, patreon.com slash horrible things. So if you want to check that out, be sure to do that. Uh, most importantly, thank you guys so, so much for listening. If you want to leave a rate or review on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. But most importantly, just share it with your friends and let other people know about the horrible things that you heard here today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, But most importantly, just remember to always lock your bathroom door. And to watch out for SWAT teams while eating your Subway sandwich. But most importantly, don't don't do horrible horrible things. things!